everyone. Welcome to the Self-Published Strong Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Pearson, and I'm joined today by my husband. Hi, I'm Nolan. And we have a guest today. What's your name? Hi, I'm Graham Bradley. <laughs> I'm Graham Bradley. <laughs> Afterthought, yes. <laughs> last name. James Bond. <laughs> yes. I, I got two-thirds of it down. I'm, I'm working on that last part. If you're listening for the first time, this is the best podcast for publishing and marketing tips, motivational quotes, and tons of advice and ideas on the craft of writing itself based off of great and awful movies. And Nolan, I almost said your full name. Oh my goodness. I almost... Fool. What are you mad at? You almost him? exposed like, you me. Oh, you mean like, yeah. You yeah. dox your own husband? No. <laughs> Secret identity. Or I work. Yeah. I work in the ninth circle. Of, of where? Of crazy. <laughs> Um, okay, so what's the movie we're doing today? Endgame. Avengers Endgame. Marvel Avengers. Studios Avengers Endgame. Yeah. They sue you if you don't say the whole thing. Oh my goodness. Okay. All right. Um, let's see. Updates. Nolan, what are you working on right now? I'm working on a portal to hell. <laughs> kind of. Uh, it's just a picture of one. But... <laughs> just trying to get to work faster. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Gosh, that's good. That's, that's yeah. really good. You can't use my commissioned illustration as a way to get to your work faster though actually no you can't a way to quit your work faster oh, <laughs> what did you think that blood pentagram under the carpet was for <laughs> i'll try anything kids are court low <laughs> oh, so, he went there <laughs> you're so bad even the baby he can't afford to lose a court if anybody from the cps is listening <laughs> <laughs> um yeah illustrations i've commissioned him to do one for our my my patreon supporters let's see oh yeah that's kind of cool patreon we've got 17 i've got 17 supporters now <laughs> and i was lamenting was it last week's episode i was like i should have started this a long time ago i really should have shouldn't we have all yeah seriously i mean it was really slow in the beginning but i've got readers that have been there for like seven years and they they're some of them are the ones supporting me now i'm like they could have been you know we could have had this going for a long time i feel like i could have been like a vampire and blood sucking them for a long time we're but they get content. stuff out of it yeah, they get a lot of content. really good stories so anyway and picture we're definitely the first batch of 30 year olds who would like to tell the teenage versions of ourselves information that we didn't have back then that's that's never been done before 40 40 40s, 40s. no one's not for 30 anymore <laughs> You could have rolled with that, man. You could have had it. Well, we've already announced to the podcast that he is now 4 0. It's not good. It's not good. Well, you're looking better than most people in the movie we just watched. The dead ones? No. Tony. Oh, well, yeah. Hawkeye. He's also like 60 in real life. You know, most of those guys are 50 and they look awesome. So (laughs) we were talking about how Hawkeye hasn't been aging very well. Inversely, Paul Rudd hasn't been aging at all. I know. He's clueless. He looks almost I, the same. Yeah, I saw a clip on YouTube the other day. He's like, how? It's not fair. Sorcery. My picture's Sorcery. from five years ago. I'm like, I still had a jawline back then. What happened? <laughs> yeah, me too, actually. <laughs> yeah, I had babies. Yeah, I, I don't have, I started trucking. That's what happened to me. Yeah. All right. Okay. So um, any other updates from you? That's it for now. Yeah. Portal to Hell. Well, we got way off track with that. We did yeah, not. We it's did. relevant. <laughs> it's always relevant. I think he means the conversation after the portal. Oh. Oh, okay. Sorry, we're, we're out in the weeds. We're trying to get yeah, back okay. on the path now. That's my fault. Uh, my update, Portal to Hell. Mm-hmm. Graham. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the portal to Graham is Port- the portal to hell. <laughs> I feel personally attacked right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I am in between drafts on uh, my current book, Sleepless Hollow, and I, when I'm in between drafts, I work on the illustrations. 
commissioned by nobody and paid for by no one. So hopefully someday paid by somebody technically work two jobs, but get paid for one. And it's not the one that I enjoy more. So, but that's what's keeping me up at night right now is, is working through uh, the last four illustrations and then the the rough for the cover. A Doolahan? A Doolahan? What is a Doolahan? A Headless Horseman? Oh, yes. The Headless you, You've seen that. That's right. Art Art with Nolan follows me on, on the Instas. I've seen that in my yes. updates. I feel I feel special when I see that Art with Nolan is like my oh. posts. Nod solemnly. Yes. You know, yeah. Graham, I followed you on Instagram and you didn't follow me back. Did you, which, which one did you follow? My personal account or I don't, the actual I think one? both of them. Okay. Okay. Oh, actually. Subtle. I got my phone right here. <laughs> I unfollowed you. <laughs> Well, I then, followed you for a whole month. I'll and just I was keep like, the phone locked. <laughs> this is high school. You keep track of it. Well, he didn't follow me back. We are not best Well, friends I was like, anymore. well, why the crap am I following him? He's not going to follow I don't, me I back. Don't. I usually follow back other artists on, yeah, on me the too. art account. Which art, is, which artists is and authors. Is, it's hard to tell who the scammers are. If they got a bunch of numbers and like, you know, a thong picture in their bio, then I mean, usually they're scammers. I also but, go by like how many people they've followed since they followed me. If there's like a hundred people there, then I'm like, I'm not following yeah, them there, back. There's a ratio to it, but yeah, that might be why my, why my follows are kind of low there on my art account that and I, I really only been doing it since this year. So, but that's, that's what I'm working on. My plan is to get that out for Halloween. It's, it's a book that takes place on Halloween and it's, it's tied very directly to the legend of Sleepy Hollow, but it takes place in the present. And yes, as uh as Nolan mentioned, there is a headless horseman. I, I leveled him up a little bit. I gave him a couple of shotties and a minigun. Two heads? No, two shotguns. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can go check out the Insta and see that I, I gave him a mammoth to ride instead oh, of a horse. That'll be fun. And, yeah. <laughs> and an army of Ice Age ghosts. So, you know, there, there's a reason for it. I mean, it, the reason came after the idea for the picture. Like, I want to draw this, and then I guess I'm going to figure out how it fits in the story. See, that's but... like me. Uh, we titled all my recent books the whole series, and I haven't even finished writing the first one. And he's like, with reasons for he's why. like, why? I need to know what the plot's about. I'm like, no, I'll just title them, and then that's, build plot later. That's how I came up with the, the scheme for the titles of my first trilogy. I was like, I, I came up with the ideas first, and then I was like, I, I knew I was going to kind of recycle an old idea that I'd had that needed to be fleshed out a little bit more. But yeah, sometimes the, the, the title comes and then you figure out, okay, that actually gives me a structure to work off yeah. of. So yeah, and sometimes when I commission him to do artwork, like I'll be like, just do what the heck you want and I'll, and then he'll come up with something crazy. I'm like, oh, that'll be great in the story. I think I heard Jim Butcher did that with one of the covers of his, of his Fury books. Oh, cool. um, somebody's like, okay, what's the cover going to be? And he's like, uh, have this guy riding a, a carriage on the water and he's, controlling two lions made out of water and they're like okay it sounds awesome and he hangs up and he's like okay how the heck am i gonna like put this in the book (laughs) okay so um updates for me um i'm going absolutely insane getting ready for the release of shadow prophet which is coming out october 15th um i think have we talked about my plans like what i'm going to be doing for it not extensively not very much i think we'll talk about it more a little bit later because this is already a long episode yeah they've changed since sunday anyway so they have changed since sunday no just reordering or reordering things around i'm rebranding everything in my um nonfiction stuff because i'm getting interviewed by joanna penn in november and then i've got the master class in october so um so yeah i'm excited about that I know. Yeah. No, I, I need to be professional. I mean, cause you know, those book covers they were, were done so how long ago. Yeah. And nudity was unacceptable. My nonfiction book covers and we thought they were great when they, it's just like every book cover we've ever done. We're like, this is great. And then two years later, Oh, it's so old fashioned. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
anyway, except for my Mosaic Chronicles. I still don't hate those ones. Those still, still look pretty sharp. Yeah, they're Even if they look good, times change. I mean, how many times do they change Nabisco cracker boxes yeah. to get your attention? It's true. Um, let's see. Yeah, but new packaging. <laughs> Same great taste. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so I, I'm doing a Patreon story a month about my main character, who will be the main character of this next series. And it's just a little, a little mini series leading up to the big series. And then I'm going to be doing it rapid release wide. Um, oh, that's something I can actually update on. My merchandiser from Smashwords is working on, I'm putting everything, I'm pulling everything from all of my retailers. So I'm not going to be distributing directly anymore to Kobo, Nook, anywhere. All of it's going to go through Smashwords because he gets me promotions more often than I get myself promotions. And I'm like making money on other retailers because of him. So I'm like, you know what? We'll give him more to do and give me less to do. And yeah, Nook's going to be dead in a year anyway. So. Yeah, probably. They're horrible. Uh, they just got bought out by a hedge fund. So uh, Barnes and Noble did. So Oh wow, I hadn't heard that yet. Yep. Uh, clock's ticking on them. Yeah, no kidding. They're just gonna liquidate everything. The the theory is that the hedge fund comes in and buys the company and then uses the company's credit to pay the hedge fund a consulting fee. And then once that credit's all used up, the hedge fund declares bankruptcy for the company after having exhausted all the credit that they possibly could and then liquidates the assets. I don't know how much truth there is to that. I don't know if that's, you know, the standard MO, but you know, at least on paper, it's something that could make sense and probably make more money than Barnes and Noble has with their current model. Of not um, selling books. Of selling <laughs> not overpriced toys. Well. That, yeah, that, that too. Yeah. My, my take on that is, um, you know, all the independent and small bookstores that haven't been able to compete with Barnes and Noble over the years, um, might you know move in on the carcass of it and and be small enough to uh, to eat up the market share that Barnes and Noble was taking uh, because Barnes and Noble just like like numerous ice age predators of ten thousand years ago just got too big for the food in its environment and can't compete and now it's going to die and here come the hominids and we're going to land on the moon. I just followed you on Instagram again. Oh, that's that's sweet. <laughs> so, so um. All right. So other updates for me, I do, I have an Instagram account. I keep forgetting to tell people that it's Andrea Pearson author. And I didn't realize I had one because in order to run ads on Facebook, they require you to create an Instagram account. And I didn't remember doing that. And so when I went over there, I was like, Oh, I've got followers and I haven't posted anything. Why are they following me? (laughs) And then I learned that they don't know that I'm not posting because they don't see my posts unless they actually go to my 36 posts and your last one. Okay. You've got some recent ones on there. Yeah. I post almost every day. I have found that I actually enjoy Instagram. I've got 2,613. So you got some catching up to do. I sure do. Posts. How many many followers do you have? I will lose that game. (laughs) Um, Let's see. Um, So Graham and I met, I forgot. We usually talk about how we meet the people we interview. Graham is the first Besides Rachel Noonish, the first author person I met back before I knew and it was, anything. It was through but Rachel Noonish. It was. It was at it her was, house. Flip, that was 10 years ago this summer. Mm-hmm. It's been a it's while. It's really crazy. I've known him longer than I've known you. So sexually threatened right now. <laughs> I assume she likes you more, though. I mean, <laughs> Only a little we'll, bit. We will see. <laughs> what, by the end of the by episode? By the end of the or? episode. 
Didn't didn't we go on like maybe one date? No, we went on like three dates. Like, what? Yeah. But we saw Terminator Salvation. She wasn't very impressed. I think that's when things went downhill. No, actually, that. Terminator Salvation. I ended up buying all of the Terminator movies edited <laughs> after that. So that's you were the. We watched all of the edited Terminator. We had more than one date. Let's keep talking about this in front of your husband. That's yeah. that's cool, right? He's not threatened. He's okay with it. <laughs> I just said I was. <laughs> We don't believe you. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, I met Graham. Uh, he introduced me to a bunch of writers who now don't do anything with their writing except Rachel, and mm. which is kind of disappointing. Um, and then I started getting involved in writing and publishing and authors. And then Graham saw a picture of one of my friends on Facebook. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's like, she's hot. And I was like, no, no, no way. No, no, I said she looked like she has a great personality. But that's oh, wow. I, I meant she was hot. Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I was just telling her yesterday, I was like, I'm really glad you took those hot pictures and posted them on Facebook. Yeah, no, it was a really smart idea. Yeah. And she had a boyfriend at that time, and I was like, dude, no. A lesser creature. Yeah, seriously, lesser. But then he, every now and then, he'd be like, so is she still dating that guy? And then finally, I was like, okay, you can date her, but... No, I, I think I think you're forgetting, like, when I texted you one day, just, like, randomly out of the blue, I wasn't even thinking about that. I was just texting you because I was bored at work, and I was like, hey, what's up? Anything new? And you're like, well, Shara's single, if that's what you're asking. <laughs> Well, not at all what I had on my radar, but keep keep talking. And... <laughs> I totally forgot about that. And anyway, well, they got married, so. <laughs> it, I must have been over the target, you know, so it, it worked out. Yeah. Two kids and a mortgage later, here we are. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. So we should get on to our episode. Um, let's see. Nolan, you want to go ahead and give us the quote? Yes. There's a limit to how many steps you'll be able to take today. Make sure they are all in the right direction. Jeff Sheehan. Jeff Sheehan. That's another one that's really familiar to me. So I've read it so many times. So why did you choose that one? Because we fly, we flail around a lot. Yes. We do work and then undo it. Yeah. And then like do it again. And then like if I just did it right the first time, I would have three of these. Yeah. And like one. this promotion, I'm sitting here, I'm like scheduling all these little stories and things like that. I need to read write for download bonuses and I've got them all out of order mixed in with all my full-length novels and I'm like I don't switch that easily I need to do this stories first then revise it then send it Tristy, and then do this one and then I'm like because that's the way I work and I'm like mixing things up right now is the best way to not make goals or not do, do it nice or do it twice is that the rule yeah yeah I mean sometimes you need a palate cleanser when you hit a wall but yeah switching back and forth all the time is super efficient yeah I was very excited to write Shadow Prophet though but it's now mostly written, so... <laughs> now you're not excited anymore. Now I'm not excited. No, I got the climax left to write. That's the best part. That's what she said. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> oh, my gosh. There's the yeah right there. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying I'm a, not to. I'm a blue-collar worker. I'm just disappointed that I didn't shoot it that first. <laughs> that was... You, you beat me to it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and I'm a petty state bureaucrat, so... <laughs> okay, moving on. Um, okay, so the tip for today, we're talking about landing pages still. A landing page, like I said last time, it needs to be as simple and targeted as possible. And you need to match it to your specific genre. So if you write in multiple genres, you'll want a separate landing page for each genre. And especially if they're unrelated. Um, uh, you could also do what I do, which is match my landing page to my series and book that sells the most. And then, But since my books all kind of intertwine and interrelate, it works out fine. And then if you choose a specific book, have your landing page match the actual cover so that people are, it's familiar, you know? So when they get there, it's not like, like my example is always, you know, if your book covers blood red and black, don't send them to a bright yellow and bright pink landing page. 
landing page being on your website? Yeah, it's the website where you send people to get them to sign up for a, a mailing list or buy a book, join a group, etc. Okay. Um, let's see. Okay, so as a note, though, many authors have found success even when their landing pages don't match their book cover, brand, or genre. But um, at this point, if, especially if you don't have one, getting a landing page is more important and you can fine-tune it later. Okay, so next time we'll be talking about some specifics, so some do's and don'ts for your actual landing page. And there's a bunch, so I might actually split that up into two because I don't want the whole episode to be about that. Okay, all right, we ready to move on to the movie? Yes, do it. This movie, this episode will have spoilers. I did a poll on my BookBub Promotions and More group, and it was a tie between two episodes, one with and one without spoilers, and one episode with spoilers, and... We decided to just do. We we live in an age where you don't have to wait six months. Yeah. To to say anything about spoilers, like this is the internet. It's been two months. That's we our rule before was three months, so we're technically breaking our own rule. But the movie's made like three billion dollars. People are seeing it. Yeah. Unless no, were, unless the were, same people are seeing it over and over and over <laughs> again. I've already seen it twice, and I'm gearing up for a third. <laughs> worth it. Okay, so let's see, Nolan. Give us, as I usually do, make you give us an overview, a brief overview of the movie. Oh, that's so hard because this is like this direct sequel to an unfinished movie. Um, yep, that's what it's about. <clears throat> Let's move on. Yeah, pretty <laughs> much. I mean, I mean, it's uh, the snap happened, right? And it's life after the snap. And then they come up with a plan to undo the snap. And they fail. And they fail. And Initially. And they come up with a new plan and then they succeed. But it costs a lot. It takes a long, it takes and three there, hours. There's happiness and sadness. Mm-hmm. And that takes three plus hours, which is good and bad. So what are your initial thoughts of the movie then? Uh, the first, like, 45 minutes I didn't like, and then everything else was awesome. That's me. You can I, explain why, or is that part of your take? Um, uh, I, they had to have, like, a counterpoint, like a low point to build from. Yeah. Because um, they ended on such a, a downer. Yeah. They couldn't start up here. They couldn't start with comedy, um, yeah. But... These are like fun summer movies, and I don't know. It was a little too much down slow time for me. I wanted more action sooner. Okay. What are your initial thoughts? Uh, my initial thoughts from it were were twofold. Mainly that it was it was impressive that they were able to land such a long and complicated vision, especially with so many hands in the cookie pot. And done um, it so quickly because it's two hundred consecutive days of filming between the two movies. Unlike Star Wars. Yeah, I mean, not and and not just with Endgame, but you know, going all the way back to the first Iron Man, you had yeah. that one, and then you had, you can you can make a case that they, kind of only sort of acknowledged that this movie happened, but the Incredible Hulk, mm-hmm. which yeah. which is connected I to love it. The but Incredible Hulk. That was I my... I thought it was good. People largely didn't, but um, well, the, the the there's like Hulk and the Incredible Hulk. The Hulk movie was awful. That one sucked. Yeah, and the then was... the Incredible Hulk was real. I loved it. I I really liked Edward Norton. Um, yeah, and funnily too. enough, in, until this movie, I liked him better more, than Mark. better than Mark Ruffalo. But I think this was the one where, where Ruffalo finally proved that like he could do. I don't know. I'm a Lou Ferrigno guy. Girl. Well, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Revelations. Okay. Uh, but yeah, it's just 
you know, they, they had they had two years between the first two Iron Man movies, and then the next year they had you know Thor and Cap in the same summer, and then every year after that it's just been a barrage. Yeah. And and for the last couple of years they've been stepping it up to. They've been to very organized, years. very very organized. And and I think that all comes back to just Kevin Feige being the guy in charge. Um, you know, Avi Arad was I think the producer on the first Iron Man movie, and Kevin Feige was like his coffee getter. I mean, it's probably a, a really mean way of saying it, but he was like the second guy in command and. Avi Arod stepped out and Kevin Feige stepped up as the head of Marvel Studios. And then Iron Man was just this massive hit and eventually, you know, Disney bought it, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, um, it, it was just really cool that they were able to coordinate it as well as it did. They had some small misfires along the way. The second Thor movie wasn't very good, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we blame it on Natalie Portman and his family. <laughs> <laughs> no, she, hated, she hated the director and they fought all the time. The and there's there's slightly more to the story than that. The original yeah. director who was uh, hired for it was Patty Jenkins, who did yeah. Wonder Woman. Yeah. And you know, if we're looking at Thor: of The Dark World, and then is at the Wonder Woman movie, I would have to you know hope that her vision of it would have been, been a lot better. better. Yeah. But I wonder if it was similar to the uh, the Edgar Wright situation with Ant Man, where where her vision didn't didn't fit the big overall scheme that they needed to to put it all together. Yeah. And uh, it it's. Almost like Endgame dedicated a certain amount of time to to vindicating the Dark World because that movie mm-hmm. is ultimately forgettable. The only relevant thing that happens in it is the Reality Stone. Which well, I, I which mean, I, she I, breaks up with him, and that's pretty big she, to Thor. Yeah, but that <laughs> happens like between Dark yeah, World and Ragnarok. Yes, but yeah. and and then there was a lot of complaints about well, you know, his mom only died as motivation to get him and Loki to go fight evil Doctor Who, and uh, you know, then then they had a really touching scene in Endgame that that kind of gave her more focus and improved her relevance to, to Thor. But, you know, it, again, it all comes back to the main thing is just landing something as, as massive as this as well as they did. Uh, the other thought that I had, my other initial reaction I was going to say, are those are your initial thoughts? No. <laughs> I, I, I've chewed on this movie for a while. But um, <laughs> as it became more and more popular over the last decade to take, you know, these final big movies and franchise, especially ones that were adopt, adapted from books and split them into two, we can mm-hmm. thank Harry Potter from that and then... Yeah. Twilight for copying Break, it. Breaking Freaking Dawn. Yeah, all of those. Um, I think the first one that did it and did it successfully was the the second two movies in the Pirates of the Caribbean. It, it might seem a small thing, but if you're going to take one massive story and split it across two movies, don't number them. Exactly. Like who's going to go yeah. buy part one of a movie and like, oh, okay, we're going to pop in part one of Mockingjay and just watch that one. Like, no. You know, Infinity War was its own story, mm-hmm. even though it was the first half of this story. Yeah. But they were able to do that because Thanos was the protagonist. They were eventually, I mean, they were supposed to name this Infinity War 2, but they changed their minds. So. They, and I, and I, I think, I think yeah. they saw the writing on the wall because they were like, look, we're going to cap off 11 years of this by, by dumping on it with this generic you know, yeah. studio billing name. You know, yeah. Let's call it something cooler. And and they did. You know, They, they split it up well. And, and even though Infinity War ended on a dour tone, like Nolan was saying, then they had to kind of reestablish that in a slightly different way, just just to give them a pit to climb out of, and they spend the next two hours climbing out of it, and it is glorious to behold. Those are your initial thoughts? Those are my initial thoughts. My initial thoughts are five out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing? Um... I, I don't know. Like, this is the... I totally unexpected. I was expecting me to love it and him to hate it, and he came out liking it more than I did, which totally shocked me, because I am a huge Marvel Not fan. Really. I'm the one telling Nolan, we need to own all of the movies. I kind of want to stab you right now. I know. I know you would. <laughs> I, and the thing is, I loved parts of it. I absolutely loved how they took the characters from start to end. I loved all the character lines. absolutely loved all that. I loved all the individual shots. 
but I didn't like them all together. Like it was, I felt dis, um, what's the word? Disengaged, dis, not dis- disoriented, but detached mm. from a lot of it. Like I was really attached to their individual parts, but then I was like, I wish so much that they could have made more than one movie out of it. Um, that's how I felt about the first one. Infinity War. That there were so many plot threads to be invested in. I had a hard time following uh, it. Yeah, like, through, I, Nolan knows me. Like, if I don't watch a movie more than once, I have a hard time remembering who people are. And I'm like, how many times did I ask, you know, where did that, where did he come from? Where did she come from? And I was like, as soon as he said, I'm like, oh, yeah, you know. And I'm like, because I wasn't invested in them as much as I wanted to have been, you know. And so. And they kind of need to keep, they needed to keep the focus on on Tony and Steve. Um, and they tried to give everybody else, you know, the, the relevant moments along the way as much as they could. But I, I think. And I'm fine with that, but I wish that they'd had more time. It's, it's the goldfish so. that got too big for the bowl. Yeah, yeah there's so many plot threads. To give them all the, their due, the movie had to be really long, or you had to dilute it, or both. Do yeah. You guys know what Disney's plans are, though, for mm-hmm. the, their streaming service, the Disney oh. Plus? The Disney Plus is supposed to be like $6 a month when it first starts. Well, I mean, yeah, but the... Which I'm... They, okay. So they've had a bunch of these Marvel TV shows that are dependent on the movies, but the movies don't necessarily acknowledge the shows, yeah. just because, I mean... Again, right. you know, Goldfish got too big, but they're going to do a couple of miniseries that are going to be on the streaming service that will be dependent on the movies and then will affect future movies. Mm-hmm. And so they're going to have a show just for Hawkeye. Okay. They've got a show for Loki, which presumably is about him in this alternate timeline. Different he, actors, though, I'm assuming? No. All, really? the, all the same ones. Like, really? they, they got... You know, they managed to break the bank open for these big name actors now. And, or, Even or, Robert Downey Jr.? No, he's he's. Oh, dead. wait, he's dead. But, oh, wait, spoiler. <laughs> they, they know now. Yeah. But they, there's a Hawkeye show, a Loki show. There's going to be a show about Scarlet Witch and Vision. And then the one that I'm at least the most interested in is uh, there's a show about Falcon and Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. Which, that would be an interesting which one. Which is, you know, mm-hmm. another thing that a lot of people expected Steve to pass the shield on to Bucky at the end because that's what happens in the comics. Mm-hmm. But the way that they built up those characters in the movies, it made more sense for him to do it for Sam because, you know, Bucky spent most of his time either evil or crazy. Yeah. And, yeah. and hadn't really gotten the screen time to, to validate that decision. Mm-hmm. You know, he was, he was effectively a national guardsman with a rifle in that last fight scene. He just shoots a couple yeah, of times. I know. Yeah, I was like, like, dude, like show us the super strength, show us the arm, do something cool. You're just, yeah. you're out there popping fools. Like that's it. Yeah. I could do that. Yeah. So, um, it's, yeah. Like, I'm I'm a girl, but I don't tend to go towards the emotional like most girls do. You know, like so I love romantic movies, but I freaking love action movies. They're probably more favorites than romance. But with so many characters, I wanted to feel more of a connection. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard. It's, it's giant really really movies, hard. So it is, gonna... and and I'm I was satisfied with how it ended, and I was actually okay with them bringing people back to life because. They with Ant Man, they actually foreshadow that through his movies, and so I mean we talked about that quite a bit with bit with Infinity War how we were gonna like kill them if they brought them back, but they but they basically they traded though I mean they brought they, they back did. a lot of people but they really did kill some and people. and that was yeah. a theme that they hinted at in Infinity War when when Vision suggested he goes well what if you guys just destroy the Mind Stone and that was what was you know Vision's, effectively keeping yeah. Vision alive yeah. and Steve says you know we don't trade lives yeah. And then ultimately, that's what they had to they do. They had to do it, yeah. You know, and, and if you think about it, you know, the original six movie Avengers, you know, Hawkeye, Black Widow, Hulk, Thor, Cap, and Iron Man, half of them didn't make it out of this movie, mm-hmm. you know, for various reasons. Yeah. You know, they, they did end up trading. So, you know, yeah, while a whole bunch of them died in Infinity War and they all came back, mm-hmm. 
you know, the, in terms of, of grand scale and everything, you know, they, they did have to trade lives to make that happen. Mm-hmm. It's a Marvel movie. The only one who stays dead is Uncle Ben. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Every, yeah. Everybody comes back, but they they managed to, to play very well on that, and there was a cost for it. Yeah. A high cost. Yeah, I really liked, um, I loved how, I, Thor's almost always one of my favorites, but like how he's got the hammer and the axe, you know, that was <sighs> super awesome. And then I liked that Captain America was able to use the hammer. I thought that was fun. Captain too. Hammer. Mm-hmm. Yes, Captain. Yes. <laughs> um, okay, so. I was the dude screaming in the theater when that happened. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was the hard part. We went and watched it. There was one old guy and a mom and her three very little kids. Oh, no. We're talking like six-year-olds. Six, four-year-olds. Four-year-olds, yeah. A, a two-year-old. I mean, it was like a, a maybe seven-year-old, a four-year-old. And she was in and out, in and out, in and out. But that was out. everybody in the theater. It didn't much. distract us. I mean, I was just like, why would you bring that those kids to a three-hour movie? Yeah, I don't get it. Um, anyway, but there were some very funny parts and Nolan and I were like the only ones laughing because it's an empty theater. So we feel a little self-conscious for laughing. But yeah, first time I saw it was opening day and then I saw it again two weeks later and I was like, well, come on guys. Like, why aren't we as into this? this yeah, no old, kidding. Everybody was there on their second and third. Yeah. Viewing, so they'd so. already seen it. Yep. It's so much fun watching a movie on opening day. Oh, it's mercy. people clap and it's so fun. I took the day off work for it. It's awesome. All right. Okay. So plot. We've already talked a lot about plot characters, um, plot, but not as much about characters. I know you had some thoughts on characters, Graham. Um, a lot of it came down to uh, going back to 2011 to the very first Captain America movie. The number one complaint that people had about it was that it its ending mm-hmm. just wasn't an ending. Uh, where I don't remember he, that. Where he crashes. That, he crashes the plane, and yeah. then they wake oh, him Captain up. Oh, Captain America. Yeah, they, sorry, you know, I was the first Avenger. No, no, yeah. they, they wake him up, and and he's he wakes up in Times Square seventy years later, and he has the the. And it sucks lines. for him. Yeah, he's, I had a date. Yeah, and he has the first thing he realizes is everybody that I know and love is dead, gone. Yeah. Um, that kind of speaks to the long term vision that they had for this, where where they they knew what they wanted to do with the characters, even if they hadn't necessarily yet panned out the details um, as to how, but they they knew where they wanted to take Cap. And it it took the better part of a decade for it to unfold. But I I realized this earlier this year, um, back in March, I uh, went to go do a teacher visit just over at the local high school here. And um, the teacher was uh, doing a sci-fi class. And she said, hey, I want you to talk to the students about the hero's journey, the Joseph Campbell monomyth. And while I was explaining some of it, I started to realize like, holy crap, they're doing every step on the hero's journey with Captain America. And and that's why they've spaced out his story across his movies and the Avengers movies the way that they have. Yeah. Um, I ended up putting a whole post about this up on my website, just cataloging all of it. Um, And I mapped it all out before Endgame. And then when I saw Endgame, like the last couple of steps fell into place and you're like, there it is. It was, it was, was his story was was so awesome. I loved how they tied it off. His, his, got everything the way it should have been for him. Yeah. And he's the one who sacrificed the most, you know? And and with him and Tony playing off of each other the way they did, you know, they, they obviously didn't plan Tony's story the same way, but his his definitely followed a theme uh, that, you know, elevated and, and um, what's the word that I'm looking for? It uh, elaborated every mm-hmm. time that they addressed it. The, the theme was was sacrifice. Like, how much are you really going to put in? Um, you know, he had, he had to sacrifice his ego in mm-hmm. the first movie. Uh, in the second one, he was he was sacrificing his health, and he had to you know set aside some personal concerns. In the third one, his addiction to his armors, they they kind of did I that mean, because his, in the comics he was an alcoholic. His character doesn't. I mean, Captain America's. I mean, Tony is very. He's got the ego. He's got the arrogance. He's got mm-hmm. the the humor. 
Captain America starts very humble and then he goes big and then they reduce him. And I don't feel like they have that big of a character growth arc for oh. Cap for Iron Man. Like Captain America's was here's, here's satisfying. He's a reaction to his father. Captain yeah. or Tony. He overcomes yeah. his father's weaknesses. He meets him and, and they he's tie like, that off in this yeah. movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so because awesome. he's a good father. He's always there for his kid. Yeah. He won't do anything to hurt her. Like you can bring back trillions of people. He's like, I won't do it if it hurts her. Yeah. Uh, then he meets his father in like 1970. And his father has his, these feelings that he, ex- he shares. He's like, I wish I, you know, like, I wish I wasn't so self-involved or something like that. And he's exactly like that yeah. in the first couple movies yeah. where it's him first, everyone yeah. else second. Yeah. And he overcomes that at the end when he dies for everybody. Yeah. So he dies over- for everybody. He does. I mean, not like <laughs> Jesus, but I mean, he does, he does die for him. He dies to win. He dies yeah. to win. He does. He puts yeah. the gauntlet on and he snaps well, and kills him. You know, kind of the design principle behind his character for lack of a better term is, is, you know, what else can I achieve? Mm-hmm. And yeah. the, the cost of that is always an increasingly higher sacrifice. And, and Steve asks him that question straight up in the first Avengers movie is, you know, you, you've always got a way out. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you've always got an escape plan. What yeah. are you going to do? And, yeah, then, do? and then Tony ends up having to grab that nuke and fly it through the portal in space, you know, mm-hmm. w- without knowing if he's going to make it or not. And that's the first time he takes a step like that. And that's yeah. why this movie opens up with him, you know, recording that message to Pepper saying, you know, I, I thought I could do this one more time. I thought yeah. I could get away with it one more time. And he, he you know, did. He did initially, but then, but then, but that, then yeah. at the very end, you know, that it comes back to Doctor Strange showing him raising one finger. There's one way that we win this. There's only one way that we defeat yeah. Thanos. And it finally was you absolutely have to do, you know, you have to fight him in a way that you can't get away from. And so that's where he takes the stones and yeah, there it is. Like he, yeah. he, he finally does the one thing that, that he can't come back from to, to save everybody. Mm-hmm. And you know, he makes that ultimate sacrifice. Yeah. One thing I really liked about the movie is it shows, it ties off every character's arc and gives us all resolution, a resolution for every single character, but not in a Return of the King way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where it takes another three nine hours. Nine. After it is the like ending, over. ending, ending. Oh, another ending, ending, you know. So this was a lot more satisfying emotionally than. Yeah, you can't, it's just what we're talking about. There's too many threads, but at least they didn't have too many endings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean. You got to kind of link the, those threads up as soon as you can so that they're more emotionally satisfying so you're not dividing your they emotions even, between even, them. Even Quell, you know? Quail. <laughs> Quail. Quail man. That was so funny. He's like, Quell, Quill. Even Gamora and Quill, you know? She's like, he's the one? He's the one? You know, so we get it was like... Him or a, a tree. Yes, him <laughs> or a tree. We get nice closure. I love. I really enjoyed that. And, and a lot of these characters are going to go on to have, you know, more movies aside from, you know, just the, the shows that they're getting. They, they probably wouldn't get away with a movie just about Falcon and Winter Soldier, but everybody wants more Guardians. Yeah, you know, I was going to say, we, we need more Quill. And, yeah. And, that's but, sad about Gamora, though, you know. She's still alive. She's 2014 Gamora is still alive, though. That's true. Remember? That's true, yeah. yeah. So now we get pocket universes and bad timelines. and Just like real Marvel comics. <laughs> <laughs> that's no kidding. Oh, my goodness. We can do whatever we want. <laughs> All right. Are you guys okay if I go on to trivia? Because we've still got takeaways. Sure. I'm sure we'll get in lots there, too. Okay. Robert Downey Jr. was the only person in the cast who was entrusted with the full script. Like, good for him. He's trustworthy. I believe it. Um, Natalie Portman's appearance was created using leftovers, leftover footage from Thor 2. <laughs> I, I think I'd heard that. They, that way they could put her in the credits, but they're like, we really don't want to put up with this chick again. <laughs> and who would? She did voiceover, did a few voiceovers, but she didn't actually have to go on set ever. And so, 
Robert Downey Jr. has surpassed Hugh Jackman in playing the same character in in multiple movies. Um, and he did it in 11 years, and Jackman did his in 17. Mm. So Slacker. Robert Downey Jr. has done better. They're both dead, though, so they're characters, I mean. Right. <laughs> Um, let's see. This is the first time Robert Redford has returned to reprise a role oh. ever in his whole entire career. That was a cool touch. It was. It was fun. I was like, hey, that's Robert Redford. And that, and that explains him. how Hydra got their hands on the scepter in Age of Ultron. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Scott Lang as an old man was played by Lee Moore and he died before the film was released, which mm-hmm. is kind of sad. Aww. Um, opening night. This is, oh, I'll give this actually in just a minute. Let's see. Okay. Korg wears the same Hawaiian t-shirt that ta- um, Taika Waititi wore at Waititi? Waititi. Waititi. I, th- I said it right first time. Wore at a San Diego Comic-Con. <laughs> and you guys know Korg is? The yeah. rock guy. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's Taika. Yeah. I- I'm like, that's that's awesome. Um, the Okay, so the title Endgame got spoiled a couple months earlier, and the Russos denied the title despite many people and Endgame lots of... doesn't give anything away. You can be Endgame. I know, it's funny. But then IMDb, like a lot of the actors showed it as their... It was listed as one of their oh. things. <laughs> and then, then they changed that because the directors were like, what the crap? It gives away less than Rise of Skywalker or whatever. Well, I didn't, I didn't know that particular bit, but it goes back to the part that I mentioned before with uh, you know, splitting movies but not numbering them, giving them different titles. Yeah. You know, when, when they did that with uh, Pirates of the Caribbean at the end of Dead Man's Chest um, Tia Dama asked him he's like are you, are you willing to go brave you know the shores of whatever at World's End to rescue Woody Jack yeah and in this, and this one in they this did one the same thing yeah, yeah Doctor Strange says we're in the end game now Stark yeah. like yep. it, it was there it's like that'd be a perfect title for it and then I thought eh, that's probably what they'll call it and then I'm a genius. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so then the, the first trailer actually confirmed it. And I thought it was funny. They denied the title all the way until the first trailer confirmed it. I'm like, they're, it's probably one of those. No, that's not what we're going to do. I can't believe they guessed it. Rude. I've only ever seen that pulled off one time. And that was back in 2012 when they casted uh, Marion Cotillard in Dark Knight Rises. Mm-hmm. And some people had guessed that she was going to be Talia al Ghul. And Christopher Nolan quashed the rumor successfully and people thought okay she'll just be some other character and then when the reveal came spoiler alert it was like oh my goodness yeah (laughs) okay so opening night tickets were resold on ebay for thousands of dollars one ticket was resold for fifteen thousand dollars man i missed an opportunity i know that's what i was saying i was like oh my gosh okay next time there's a movie this big coming out because this is the biggest movie that's ever you know this box office was a billion dollars after only like two days or whatever so I'm like, next time something like that happens, Nolan, never to be repeated. I imagine. The, the problem It'll is be repeated eventually. It was making yeah. five figures, you know, in New York, and then you end up like paying twelve thousand of that in taxes. So. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding, no kidding. And I assume tickets were easier to get here than they were. Oh uh, yeah, I mean, well, the the Cinemark app that we use, like, straight up shut down. Their website crashed. The app crashed. And yeah. my wife like pulled up the app with the code. She's like, here, we've got credits. We went and stopped by the theater physically. The day that they went on sale, and I was like, scan this, give me the tickets now. And <laughs> we had them like a month before the movie came out. Yeah, so, yeah, apparently, like, it actually crashed a lot of things across the country. A lot of servers couldn't handle the... Suck it, Avatar. Yeah, Yeah. no kidding. Titanic. Oh, did you hear that when, when um, James Cameron, he... When this movie beat Titanic, because Titanic made the biggest box office, you know. Uh, when this one beat it, he Which sent a picture. I know. <laughs> Titanic. I'm embarrassed at humanity. I've got I've got a reasoning for that. Yes, Endgame made a bajillion dollars because it's on the standing on the back of 21 other movies. 
Avatar made a bajillion dollars because it had the 3D tech, which was grossly overpriced. But they the also times. bought like a million tickets. They did they, that as well. So, of course, it, you know. Titanic was released multiple times in theaters and had PG-13 boobs. It's true. Yeah. That was a huge... Yeah. People went just to see what the whole fuss was about and or just to see... I was, I was 13. I think you know why I was there. So. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. So when this movie beat Titanic, he sent them a picture of an iceberg with an A. The right. iceberg was the A sinking the Titanic. Yeah. Good man. Yeah. Anyway, so that's those are the takeaways. Can't you just wait for the trivia. next four or five Avatar movies that they're going to put out? I saw the I can schedule. wait. I think I'll keep waiting if you don't mind. <laughs> <clears throat> My favorite meme was uh, all the way back from Winter Soldier, the the scene where, where Steve's out jogging and keeps catching up to Sam and says, on your left, and they labeled Sam as Avatar and Steve as Endgame. Yeah. <laughs> so awesome. It, it beat it domestically. I don't think it'll beat Episode 7, sadly, uh, but it'll beat everything else. You know, for all the times we say we don't talk about Star Wars, we talk about Star Wars a lot. It's, it's like we're not talking about it. It's just, okay, it's it. still Disney. It's like talking about the Holocaust. And we talk about it so that we know not to repeat the mistake. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that They tried to kind of do the same thing. I mean, they have because they've tried to do the spinoff movies that feed in between they, the they, they just, series. and They tried to do too much too soon. And... Yeah, it's it, the directors don't have the same vision. And no, they're completely different. There wasn't anyone they withholding ruined, it. Some of they didn't have tight control of the, the overall arc. The, they're just like, here's your movie, and they like do what you want. And... The Marvel formula works for the Marvel Universe because you have, what, 60, 70 years of very different comics Yeah, to draw and I was going to say that you pull it from that, so you're and, going true to the And you could argue source. that you have tons of books in like novel universes for Star Wars, but they completely ignored that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're they, like uh, the, e, uh, the expanded universe or... Or whatever they call it. It's now Legends. It's like, well, let's put little emo grandbaby Darth in there. Have him kill his dad in the first one that we do. Completely ignore Mara Jade. And we'll put in a little Mary Sue character instead who has, you know, no flaws and is completely invincible. And this is a separate episode. I'm just going to lose my mind if I start off on this track. Yeah, we're not going to. But I love the art books. And I own every (laughs) one. He does. The art, they have some very talented artists. The the production people love Star Wars and it shows because it looks like Star Wars. I wish the directors, (laughs) I wish the directors love Star Wars as much as the people working (laughs) in it. The drones like getting people's drinks love Star Wars more than the director getting paid billions of dollars. Just saying. I don't know. If Maybe you not this, billions, but, but... We, we live in an unfair world. <laughs> All I, right, takeaways. Nolan, this one's hard because um, we talk a lot about big series books, right? Mm-hmm. Where they, I'm people. I don't know. I say like uh, Shade of Vampire has like sixty books in it now. It's so crazy, and um, they all have a bunch of different characters. But how do you manage that? I don't. That's not really a takeaway. I guess my takeaway is a question. <laughs> but I mean, I'm serious. It's yeah. like it's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. So, this is your do a good job. Expound on it. No, I don't. I'm asking you. You're like, asking me. Yeah, I do. Have I'm asking book series. Our, <laughs> um, I mean, how much is too much? Yeah, this was obviously not too much because they continued making bigger and more and more money as they continued. You know? Yeah, yeah. So people weren't getting tired of it, unlike other franchises. Right, and how do you how do you do that? I mean, how they you know? they had such a they they had the million stay passionate of, for the project focus i mean not just that i mean they had so much material this is really a reprinting if you want to think about it that way they had sales proven storylines from the past Mm -hmm. that they drew on to make a movie 
Well, and, and they took a lot of those storylines and adapted them to the stories they had already told. You know, in the original Infinity War comics, Nebula factored very heavily into into you know getting the gauntlet and defeating Thanos and stuff. And the way that they had her do it in this movie was not the way that it was done in the comics, but they still honored you know that part of the character. They said, okay, look, we can draw on all this source material, but we can still tell the story that we want to tell while being faithful to it, while being faithful to the fans that made all of this a success in the first place. Yeah. And I, I think as an author making your own material for the first time, you don't have that. You don't have that drawn. Drawn. No. Because like some, like every story that Marvel ever did is not in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the ones they, they picked and chose the ones that like represented those characters the most, gave them the angst, played off like, if this character does this one, we can take this from over here when this happened to this one and they they bounce off each other and like what would happen if you put these two together and they they know people already liked these things about them yeah because they sold a lot of comics at the time and so they rewrite pride and prejudice is that what i'm hearing and that happens i mean but doesn't that happen for that same reason yeah because there's a lot of source material i mean she wrote a bunch of books and people uh, only rewrite the most popular ones but exactly so i'm i'm not saying people should necessarily do that because we're talking about how do you generate original content that can be the successful maybe you can't yeah which is maybe a downer, but... Well, think back to the opening scene of this movie. Do you guys remember what it was? What's the very first thing you see after after Hawkeye's family gets dusted? What's the very first thing you see out in space? Um, uh, oh, the ship is, is it Iron Man? I mean... It's Tony and Nebula playing paper football. Oh, that's, yeah, that's right, yeah. It's, you know, yeah, they're out in space on the Guardian ship and everybody's dead and he's recording a message and stuff, but but just the, the fact that this genius billionaire philanthropist playboy is teaching a, a hardcore you know stoic space alien how to play paper football that's relatable um, you won <laughs> and, and he teaches her how to have fun and she's like yeah, yes i had fun you know she she loosens up a little bit um i'm reading a book right now it's a biography of charles schultz and it's inextricably tied to the history of comic strips nice. and uh, comic artists made just stupid money back in the 30s and 40s oh, yeah. um Partly because of, of syndication and that, you know, these comics were run. And because the internet didn't exist at that point. There, there's that, but you know, <laughs> it was called a precursor to that. William Randolph Hearst had the idea to syndicate and, and print the same comic all across the country. And it would help sell newspapers if everybody everywhere knew that they could get the comics that they loved. Yeah. The comics, though, they had to, to, to draw on a source of humor that everybody could relate to. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're talking no one about building something from the ground up, building your own, the two keys that I would take away from this movie are to make it relatable. And if you're going to draw on tropes, find a way to to adapt them or to make them slightly new. This is a time travel movie. Yeah, it is. It's, and it's a heist movie. But but the a time they, heist. It's, it's, it's a time heist. <laughs> and they But they tackled that head on. And they were even joking about it. That part where, where War Machine and Ant-Man were talking to Hulk. They're like, what about all these time travel movies that we've ever oh, watched? He's like, Back to the Future's alive. <laughs> and, and Hulk's like, "You're going to base everything you know off of off of a freaking movie." And they're That's like, so "Oh, awesome. okay." You know, they 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 acknowledge the elephant in the room, yeah. and they came up with with their own rules for yeah. a time travel story that that were defensible. Mm-hmm. So you know, don't except for one point. <laughs> well, and and now we're going to get into splitting hairs. But the point is, <laughs> if you're going to build something of your own from the ground up, don't be scared of tropes, but make it relatable to people and make it fresh. And and that's that's what's going to capture. Well, don't be attention. scared of tropes. You want to use tropes because that's how you sell. I mean, people look for specific. You, you things. have to glue tropes together with something different, I guess. Well, right? and, is that? And if you think about it, you know, looking at Captain America's storyline, uh, he did everything basic and expected of of a hero of yesteryear mm-hmm. that that we would hope. You know, he he beat the bad guy. 
He got the girl. He went home. He did all that stuff. He kind of did it out of order, and he did it in a way that that we aren't used to seeing because of the uniqueness of his character. Mm-hmm. You, know, you can you can do all that stuff. You can have the things that people expect, but if you still find a way to surprise them with that, that's what's going to earn you loyal fans. Pierce Brown does that exceptionally well with his Red Rising series. Highly recommend that if you haven't read it because you know you get to the end of the book and you're like, I effectively just read The Hunger Games on Mars, but he did it in such a way that that it just comes at you sideways and you're like, I want to read this again. I want to read everything else he's ever written. It's, nice. you know, they, he takes this, this common thing and he makes it fresh. So those are your takeaways then? Yes. <laughs> that was my one takeaway. Like I said, I keep... Give, give us another takeaway. I can't even remember yes. what it was now. Time travel, you had a hang up about that? I hate time travel in general and, and bringing everybody back. But this did not disappoint me. And that's difficult. I was actually wondering. I'm I'm watching his. He's he's like an open book when we're watching movies in theaters. He's like, oh, but this time he was totally okay with it. Do you mean to say that you weren't getting choked up during the portal scene when everybody came back and the movie was. I didn't get choked up there. I got choked up when Thor came back with his hammer in in Infinity War. I was like, he got his hammer. still His axe. Yeah. Um. But I mean, that's just going to what you just said is that it's, it is a trope, but they did it in a way that didn't feel like it was like, if you just say, yeah, they went back and brought everybody back, then that's a trope, but it's not in real life. You you could argue that's what they did, but you look at what it costs them to do that. And yeah, like you said, look at the method of it and, and look at what they all got to do along the way. You know, Thor got to talk to his dead mom. Tony got to talk to his dead dad. You know, Steve saw the girl that he missed, and you you look at that scene where he sees her at the base at Camp Lehigh, and he's like, that that plants the seed for when at the very end when he's got to go put all the stones back, and he's like, I don't need to go back to the future. I I've I've paid my price. I've done the deed. We beat the big bad. Yeah, I like Bucky. The whole time Bucky's just like, uh, so yeah, yeah. He's like, you're taking all the stupid with you. It's like Bucky knew. Yeah, he knew what was going on. That's why you know he he was telling Sam. He's like, hey Sam, look over there, and you know. Cap gave him the shield, and Bucky's like, I'm, I'm giving a thumbs up right now for you out there in listener land. You know, they, they, uh, I'm, I'm gonna shut up now because I'm gonna be here talking for another hour. <laughs> but I'm, it's, it's good. I mean, it's, it's, that's exactly the point is it, it's exactly what you would, how you would expect a story to go, but they still surprised you. Mm-hmm. And they, they took all the tropes that I hate and made and me made not them, hate them. Yeah. And that's fantastic. Yeah, and that's that's just, why I was so satisfied, I think. Because going in, I was like, they're going to bring everyone back. And he, it's going to be dumb. He's and I was been super, bad-mouthing Endgame for the been. last three months. It's going to be crap. Absolutely. Four months, so five made, months. It's going to be crap. It's they made crap. you love it, and they just made your wife hate it instead. I didn't hate it. I was just a little Perfectly uh, balanced. Uh, as all yeah, should be. yeah, like we went, we went like... <laughs> Which so is like, so unusual. I was like, well, they did it. Don't trade lives. I was expecting to really be disappointed by time travel, because almost always they screw it up. Yeah. Uh, well, they did. I mean, the frick, they gave Loki the space stone and he got away. Was right. so totally awesome, screwed up. Though. <laughs> but I mean, screwed up. Uh, that yes. was trope. Yeah, yeah. That really disappoints because it feels so cheesy when they bring someone back from the dead. Mm-hmm. It, it just produces yeah, that, the meaningfulness of death. But that entrance. And that scene. price. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The price of death is diminished when it, you keep bringing people back. Death does have to have a cost. And I think after 14 seasons of Supernatural, that's finally starting to wear on a lot of fans there. Just the fact that. They're gearing up to end that that show, and they're talking about yeah, they might kill off Sam and Dean. It's like they've died like a thousand times already. I mean, it, nothing ever sticks. Yeah, but so, yeah, there's so, a lot of so shows that do that, though. Right? I mean, anything dealing with the supernatural, where they the first time they die, it's like a big deal, mm-hmm. and then they bring them back, and then they just like, I know, well, let's do it again. And it's, doesn't you can't do it. You it can't. Yeah, you you can't unless you have 
But how many, how many times did Loki die? And how many times? Like, I don't even know if I should mourn him because yeah. when he how many dies times can you pay the cost? You know, I mean, if you can pay it more than once, then it's not high enough. Yeah, so that's, that's quantitative easing. That's inflation, yeah. and that's how countries yeah. go under. I mean, Venezuela kept paying that cost. There we go. <laughs> okay, we fit Venezuela. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so my takeaways, I'll just go through them really briefly since I do have six because I was hoping that they would take some of my takeaways. This is an example, exe- excellent example of character arcs from, arcs from start to finish. And well, just briefly, because we did talk a bit about that. Um, so if you want to see how a long series could be worked out well and be successful, watch these movies. Um, simplify somehow, and if you can't simplify, split. Nolan and I are talking in the car. This is a great example of a movie that should have been split. And we, again mentioned that briefly earlier yeah if you just call it a sequel i mean you can have sequels and nobody thinks it's dumb right well, and in a sense this was like two movies in one like the time yeah, heist right. could have been its own movie they could have right. taken infinity war and endgame and made three movies and then they would have been two and a half hours each and would have been perfect i think but then, then you would end up with the hobbit trilogy which which milked <laughs> it way too much but movie too but much. if you have enough source material you can i mean they weren't splitting you, a book into three they could you, make whatever they wanted and put into yeah. it and split it into true three. they could have done like they could have uh, taken the, yes, the, the teams and split them in half and then had the first movie focus on one second movie focus on the other and then the third movie draw them together Frick, i would have still seen it so you're not we, wrong yeah we would have watched it too yeah um okay so crap or get off the pot Establish normal and then break it. We're all depressed. We're all depressed. Forty-five minutes later, we're all depressed. We're all. That was my. Because they had to show each in turn, and what bothered each... me so much about it that was the lingering camera shots they always had. They had like, very slow. They they did an establishing shot, shot and they stayed. But, but five. Depression is a slow and lingering emotion. If you if it's you rush true. that with the cinematography, then it's not gonna like even though you've seen the characters But you can do five or ten minutes it. of depression, and and I mean this is an action movie. It's not you know. You I st- felt like it was, I was bored. You still got, <laughs> you know, Hawkeye as Ronan very depressingly yeah. slaying a bunch of Yakuza. I mean, I thought your that was fun. That was actually when, <laughs> Nolan, when Nolan, he was like, finally. So, and this, yeah. we loved that, that part. That, that was, was one awesome. Of the best lines of the movie was, they got Thanos, you get me. It's like, yeah. Dang, chills. Yeah. No, that was, that was pretty awesome. Like, like if they had done more like that, because Natalie's part was just boring to me. I was just like, oh, she's Nat. Nat. Natasha. Oh, right. Oh, Nat, that's right, Natasha. You say, yeah, Natalie Portman. Yeah, Nat, so no, we, we were Natasha, her part was Where she's, like, coordinating other people's well, work or whatever. And that was that was key to setting up, you know, why she decided to make the sacrifice she did later. Because they're her family, and she mentions that. Yeah. She's, she, this is how she keeps in contact with her family. Yeah. You know, she, she talked but about still. how that job kept her going. You <laughs> yeah. know, you, you, I, and, and that's something I noticed on the second game yeah. because yeah, the first time I saw that, I thought, okay, you know, we got some slow banter here. But then when I went back and watched, watched it the second it time, I was like, okay, you know, we, we see how much this means to her and and why she's doing this and why you know tracking Clint's movements matter mm-hmm. to her, and then you know, that that played very heavily in her decision. And mm-hmm. and even though he disagreed with it, you know, with his fists, and <laughs> they did what they did. Um, let's see, show how things, okay, show how the bad things affect the characters and how their personalities react. So, like, Thor, he gets fat and drunk, you know? Yeah, depression. Um, yeah, Tony, they're all depressed, but they all show it differently. Tony's haggard, and he held that through the whole movie. He looks haggard the whole movie, and I love that because it's affected him. All of this has affected him so deeply that he is, he's a changed person, you know? He marries Pepper, and they have a kid. I mean, Tony from the first movie to Tony now... That's a huge change. It took him 10 years to do that. Yeah. And then Nat, she's depressed throughout. And Hulk, he actually, I love Hulk's the way he, how, how he handles things. He overcomes his biggest struggle, which is 
Banner versus Hulk. And he's the most well adjusted. Yeah, he (laughs) is. He was seriously. I love that. That left me with the biggest question at the end of Infinity War because I I can't say immediately that I understood why Hulk wasn't coming out. Like, why was he refusing to come out and fight? And it was something that I kind of had to extrapolate later just that he was maybe he was tired of being used as an instrument. He's always being used as the strong. Psychologically, he was a different entity than Bruce was. and, Mm -hmm. And you know, I'd, I would have appreciated maybe just like a, a slightly more direct explanation than that. But, you know, yeah. you, you kind of gather it when Bruce is like saying, well, best of both worlds. I, I decided not to treat it like a curse anymore. Yeah. And he fixes that. You're right. That was a great moment. Um, and then last, um, this is a repeat of my takeaway from Infinity War. Focus on your bad guy. Thanos is my all-time favorite villain because he has I know so many dimensions to his I, personality. I like to say the good guys lost. Oh, Thanos lost. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, that's what I've been saying the whole time. I'm like, I, that's one of the reasons why I was so angry. I was like, I know he's going to die. The way traffic is here, though, in Salt Lake Valley, there are days when I think, like, man, he's onto something. No, <laughs> yeah. I was like, I know Thanos is going to die, so why do I even need to see the second movie? I, I know he's going to lose. But he was so Because awesome. he died in, like, the first 15 and, minutes in the second movie. You're like, okay. Wait, but, like, what? what is awesome about it is, like, they have his character so well established that when he comes back in the past, it's awesome. I was like... I love Thanos. Like he's like predicting what's going to happen in the future and that he ends up being the big battle again, which was awesome. His nickname is the mad Titan. And he, it's, he embodies that perfectly because he's not like, you know, like the Joker or the Riddler, you know, crazy cackling type thing. He's got this very calm. calm And when he does stuff, he sits down. Yeah, yeah, he, he sits down here. He's like, like, "I'll be waiting right here." That's been and such a sits. complaint among the fans. It's like, well, all he does is sit back and send his yeah, troops to do wonderful. stuff. Yeah, he's wonderful. That's the way he is. He's, he's tactical. Even if he's mad or insane or something, he's very tactical. And and you know, if you think about it, in 2014, in the in the past part of this movie, you know, when they they capture the alternate nebula and they extract their memories, and he's like, "I want to know everything," mm-hmm. because he's a tactician, and yeah. you know, he could have had an indeterminate amount of time between you know coming back from 2014 to 2023 yeah. to, to study these people that he's never met before, but that Nebula now has five years of memories of. Yeah. And that's why he, like you said, he just, he just sits right there in the middle yep. and says, I'm going to wait, you go get me the stones. I'm going to wait because he knew that they were going to come to him. And then just mm-hmm. when he drops that line and he goes, you couldn't live with your own failure. And where did that bring you? Yeah. Back to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's okay. So one thing about his, his character that I absolutely love, he is incredibly powerful, but he's, He's like calm, like you said. Like he is content to just sit, and they yeah, show he's that like, multiple times. Right, and he's like the all the people I've, all the worlds I've destroyed. It, it was never personal, but I'm going to enjoy this very much. And he yeah. says it like deadpan. Yeah, and he, his expression doesn't change yeah. or anything. But like, he doesn't yell. Yeah, yeah he tells Nebula. I mean, he tells them. He's like, "Go get this. I'll wait right here." And then, um, like after he kills it, half the world, he goes to his little farm. He's just very calm. And then at the end of the movie, again, he just sits down and then turns uh, to dust. You know? my, yeah, he sits down again. My favorite scene is when he watches, uh, they're watching Nebula, Nebula's recording. Remem- and memories. he's like, it's my destiny that I succeed. And then he dies. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, and fate is fulfilled. He doesn't care that he dies. No. He mm-hmm. believes so much in what he does that he would die gladly. to. Which is, again, a good villain because he, he 100% He's believes like, that's the future. I'll take it. Because I accomplished my goal and it's worth it. Yeah. When, when they have a certainty of that. I mean, and going back to invoking Dark Knight Rises, think back to that scene the, where where Bane and Batman first fight and, and Bane beats the crap out of him and breaks his back. There's no soundtrack to mm-hmm. that scene. Yeah. And as Batman is like, you know, getting angry and fighting and throwing punches and, and Bane's just calmly fighting him off and all of his henchmen are standing around and they're calm. Yeah. They're not worried at all. They know exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. 
And like that, that really elevated just the, the fear factor of, of that scene. And that's, that's why calmness in a villain, even a villain that, you know, is, is nicknamed mad. He's, he's not mad because of his explosive physical expressions. Mm-hmm. He's mad because of his vision and his drive and his determination. Mm-hmm. And, and even when he sees that I succeeded in my original plan, but here you pests are, and you're going to screw it all up because I, I see that I need to go even farther next time. Yeah. He's like, I need to destroy everything and start from scratch. Yeah. They'll never know, but they'll never know is... they came from blood. <laughs> Uh, that's that's a different kind of madness and that is much more formidable yeah and i'm like is it really even madness though i mean he's so logical you know logic to an extreme like any other thing to an extreme it can be a madness you know yeah. it, it's it's there's there's yeah. no parameter Every, on it there's no right. limit to it everything he says sounds good on paper but when you like those are real people that yeah. he's disintegrating yeah. he doesn't care but everyone else does yeah <laughs> Yeah, he's. I, I absolutely love that end battle because of how strong he is. Like, all of these superheroes are fighting him. Yeah. And then they bring in his army, and it's like, more, you know? And like, they're already struggling fighting oh man, him, you know? That scene where it's just Cap and his broken shield mm-hmm. facing oh, all of them, and he just he just buckles down. He's like, all right, here we go. Yeah. yeah he Chills. doesn't give up. That's one thing. Yeah, that's that's him, you know? But that's his personality, right? Even and and stop, again, like, you can look at that as a, as a cliche, like, man, only a human automaton would react that way to it. But, like, you know that there's more depth to him mm-hmm. than that. And it's just like, he, he's he got to know that he's going down, but he's not going to quit because yeah. he can do this all day. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, I know. Oh, this is so awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, Loki, I found Loki. He's like, <laughs> whatever. When he's fighting himself. Yeah. It's like, it's not, ah, uh, whatever. <laughs> How did you get that? Uh. <laughs> that was really fun. Uh, perfect. Yeah. The, the yeah. memes that came out of this movie. So good. <laughs> I haven't seen any of them because I was avoiding everything. Go look because I want to see the movie. The that one scene where Cap is fighting Cap. Himself. Mm-hmm. There's there's plenty of memes coming out of that one. <laughs> anyway, well that's pretty much it for this episode. Yeah. Um, do we want to do final thoughts or will that take us another twenty minutes? <laughs> uh, no, we can do it. Yeah. yeah. Let's keep it quick. Yeah. Final, final thoughts. thoughts. Uh, it's it's a hard to top. I don't know how they'll anybody continue from this yeah not just that how they'll carry on because like most of these characters a lot of these characters aren't going to be around Mm -hmm. um is it going to take another 10 years to have another movie of this caliber probably it takes time to build up i mean it takes 11 years to get here so it'll it'll have to take a different shape because i don't think they'll ever be able to do it the same way they won't they won't and part of the problem is, is those characters are iconic and the ones that are taking over are not yeah like most people don't know who falcon is even if you care i mean do you really care about a whole franchise tied up with him oh, compared to Captain America, Spider-Man? Yeah. yeah. And, and keep Spider, not Spider-Man. I would say Spider-Man. Even if you do it very drama. well, they don't have the name recognition. Just yeah, don't. that's true. Keep an eye on Comic-Con this year because they'll be announcing, you know, what's, what's to come with future Marvel titles and, and stuff like that. And see, and I'm not even looking at Marvel. I'm looking at any movie series. But how can like, anybody, how are yeah. they going to be able to, yeah. They, it wouldn't be able. They wouldn't be able to do it with another superhero franchise. No, it DC, would have. To, I DCU's, mean, uh, can't do it anyway because the they they're inept. And they would have to. I mean, like we were saying, anything. these ones are based off of stuff that's already been done in the comics. I mean, so we've mm-hmm. got Hunger Games based off of books, but I'm, there's a limit, you know. Yeah, there's there's a narrow window for them to pull that off, and as and they've seen, already done it. If you stretch it too thin, you know, the Harry Potter was big enough to survive it. And yeah, they, seven they didn't movies. Even demand it. Twilight, not so much. No, well, it uh, ended the movie. The book ended poorly for uh, them to build. Hunger Games did. It's a la Divergent. They they screwed it. Yeah, and then Divergent. You know, they they ended up not being able to do the second um, one. Fast and the Furious. 
Oh man, I will keep watching those. My word. I, I saw the first one in high school, and, wow. then, and then I didn't see any of them again until this year. And I had I had surgery back in February, so I had nothing to do but sit at home and watch stupid movies that I hadn't caught up on. And now I'm like up to the sixth one, and I'm like, these these are dumb, but they keep getting better. They're fun. I, and, I enjoyed them. And as long as The Rock is in, it'll probably watch it. Yeah, same. Um, let's see. Final thoughts. Um. My final thoughts on it, just uh, you know, what I've already said. Don't be don't be afraid to to put a new twist on on the familiar, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure I'll think of something else on the drive home and call you and say, "Hey, put this in." But <laughs> well, I won't be able to. I know you won't. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm be like, okay, recording. Graham said this. <laughs> Try Let's to sound see. all sarcastic when you say it. And don't, be, don't know it's me. Uh, my final thoughts. Um, I enjoyed it. I still like Thor Ragnarok the best. Hilarious. That was one of my apps, my all-time, surprising, my all-time sur- favorite movies. Yeah, surprising, like, comedy. Um, and still fun action. Mm-hmm. But I didn't, yeah, I was, I wanted to see it, but I didn't expect it to be that. That fun. That much fun. Yeah. And that's kind of what one, I want. This one was enjoyable. Mm-hmm. I liked the emotional highs and lows, you know. Um, they put you through everything. They put you through everything, and that's what a good story will do, and regardless of genre. I, I, I personally like the tone of you know, Guardians and that when I go to see a movie. I want it to be fun. Yeah. Uh, this is not fun, but it's, it is fun. But it was satisfying it's, emotionally. Like I said, it's, the characters it's all a much more off. It's much more complex. Yeah. And there is a lot of buy-in from the other 21 movies, too. Yeah. So. Yeah, if you hadn't seen the other movies, this one would not be. It wouldn't mean that much. It wouldn't mean anything to people, you know. It's yeah, way, I'm, you'd be way, way My mom lost. hasn't seen it yet, and I went through the list of, like, the last ten movies. I was like, okay, have you seen this one? Have you seen this one? Have you seen this one? And I think... I think we've missed, like, three or four of them, and we still... Enjoyed we still it. Find. Still got most everything. Yeah. yeah, and if you go, if you went back and watched the ones that you'd missed, you'd, you'd catch things like, oh, okay, I get why this was there. And mm-hmm. why yeah, because, like, we haven't seen... We haven't seen Ant-Man and the Wasp. And then Captain Th- that explains. And we haven't seen any of the Spider-Man movies with and the Spider-Man. kid. The post-credit scene in Ant-Man and the Wasp explains why he was in the van. I thought I understood that already. I guess not. No, that happens at the end of that. Okay. Go see Ant-Man and the Wasp. Like, honestly, as much as I love Thor Ragnarok, I laughed more at Ant-Man and the Wasp really? than I did That's at Ragnarok. It was, it was Ragnarok had me laughing like 80% of the movie. <laughs> yeah. It was, this one was just ace. I'm not going to give up drinking. <laughs> <laughs> and then he becomes a drunk in. Um, let's see. Nolan, where can people find you? Uh, at Art with Nolan on Instagram. Not email. Oh, I forget. I always say you can or in email my house, me. To or contact. in my house. I guess I'm at my house or my work. They don't know no, where either don't. of those are. I can. <laughs> yes. You could find him at his house. You wouldn't be able to find I can't even find him at his work because it's. I don't have clearance. They've made it even dumber now. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, it's like. I like how it's not tougher. It's dumber. It's dumber. So there's this, real quick, there's this <laughs> thing called tailgating. If you don't scan your badge. Yeah. Like someone scans Social their badge. Social engineer. No, yeah. You, you, you scan, scan your badge, you go through the door, and someone walks in behind you is tailgating. We have the same thing at refineries. Yeah, same it, with us. There is a horrible beep now if you do that. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't report anything in any way. It just makes a noise that is really irritating. Well, that's stupid. They know that it's irritating, though, so... So it's supposed to embarrass you, I guess. I suppose so, but... I don't understand the purpose of it. I mean, it should they should like have a camera or like a report or something like they can monitor which department. Even if they did, the most... yeah, like well, how would they 
find you, like, yeah. look through the database of 3,500 well, employees. At BYU, yeah, I want to say at BYU, we could figure that out because there weren't that, there's only like 40 people that worked under there. Well, if they wanted to find you, they would just go to at Art with Nolan. And they, <laughs> they could find me. Like, we got you, sucker. You didn't scan your badge when you came down to work. I'm like, I scanned into the time clock. So you know I'm here. So you know I'm here, and it's right by the door, so I don't understand what's going on right now. Graham, where can people find you? At Dread Pennies on Instagram. You know, we didn't have you talk about your books. Yes, we did. No, just projects he's working on right now, but not books that he's already got out. My big trilogy is Engines with... Engines with... Engines of Liberty. (laughs) Engines with Liberty. I know about this book that I wrote. I totally do. (laughs) Is there a steam-powered Statue of Liberty? No, there are there are <laughs> gasoline and diesel powered monstrosities that fight British mages. Okay, that's Dave awesome. Butler called it Harry Potter versus guns. Okay, and that's kind of the. I am not the target uh, audience. My is my uh, my relatives were on the British side. Well, in this um, book, they all die. Sorry, so that was the trilogy. They don't though, because I'm here. It's <laughs> true. This is an alternate timeline. <laughs> Now this this was uh, this was the trilogy that I came up with the titles first, and that's how I ended up. You know, I recycled some other conceptual stuff from another series that I had been working on, a little short series, and I ended up spinning this one out of it. But basically, the Brits had magic in the American Revolution, so they cheated and they won. Two hundred years later, the underground American rebels build a mechanized arsenal. And oh, wait, there's two hundred years later. Yeah, this this is in an alternate, oh, that's right. Yes. This is in an alternate 1984. Yeah. But technology still hasn't advanced because the Brits have magic yeah. and they keep their colonials under the thumb. And yeah. Main character is a kid who gets recruited into the Technomancer army and ends up fighting both sides. And then uh, kill them all. Yes, everybody dies. Everyone he's he's dies. 15. He's got a lot of pent up emotional issues. He's got to work yeah, through. So who doesn't when they're 15? Yeah. So. <laughs> That was an example of me trying to to write a character that I loved, who, but who made very boneheaded decisions that I myself couldn't agree with. It was it was hard to write that because like you want to kind of coddle your characters, but it's like let's, I I don't I really I enjoy torturing. Let's, them. let's make the character let's make the readers like scream at this dude, and and he you know he fixes it, but he has to make some. I mean, you're 15, you make some boneheaded mistakes. And, oh yeah, and he does that. Um, my most popular title is Kill the Beast. That one's probably more up your alley. It's uh, it's the retelling of. Gaston, where he's the right we, in the right. We end. don't say his name. We say Beauty and the Beast because that is not owned by the evil empire. <laughs> but effectively, yes, the arrogant woodsman is the is, is the protagonist of this story, as how, he should have been. Can he not be? He saves the wayward woman from a uh, furry. Oh, you absolutely. Fate. You, you need to read this book. Okay. I, 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 <laughs> you're already on track. Okay. So, anyway, uh, so that one's your most. That's my most popular one. Uh, that one's available on Audible. Uh, Jean-Michel George does the narration. He's a legit Parisian. He's got a superb accent. He even did a little musical composition for the intro and outro. Nice. Uh, my other big title is The Hero Next Door, and that's the one that I, I drew very heavily on my high school experience as a male cheerleader. The Hero did, Next Door. Have I read that one? I don't think did you, you write have. that one a long time ago? No, I, I did a long time familiar. ago, but then I, I put it through a ton of rewrites. What happened to I, Sidewinder? I actually really liked that Sidewinder one. Sidewinder is going to get uh, kind of rebooted and integrated into uh, a series of superhero novels that I'm going to work on, but it's it's not as much of a superhero thing in the sense of like an X-Men or an Avengers. Like mm-hmm. they, They've got superpowers, but they're more of like a G.I. Joe type group and... Uh, it's going to be a little bit more grounded, a little bit more like solidly sci-fi and not so much, you know, magic and all that mm-hmm. stuff. But he, he's going So to... you're taking it out of what I enjoy and into what I don't enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> you will learn to enjoy. <laughs> no, he'll, he'll still be in there, Torture. but it's, it'll, it'll be a little bit more uh, relevant to our times. But Hero yes. Next Door is, uh, 
I, I was challenged by my writing group 10 years ago to write like a, a, a Twilight-esque paranormal romance. And this is what I had. I, I also instead. challenged you to write a Twilight-esque story. Well, this is what I came up with is, you know, the, the girl is the, the paranormal creature instead of the guy. She's an Amazon warrior princess. Nice. She's also the hot chick who moves in next door to our, our main character. Nice. And uh, he can't get her to notice him, but then he sees that she secretly goes out and does these Amazon warrior fights fighting against monsters that he can see. So what, what genre is it? It's, it's YA. Fantasy? Uh, uh, slightly fantasy paranormal, but he, uh, he takes on this superhero persona mm-hmm. and starts you know, crashing her raids and helping her out. And yes. so she, she falls for the superhero alter ego. Oh, good. But she starts to think that it's somebody else and he, he can't tell her yet. And you know, there, there are reasons as to why. And, yeah. And uh, that one was a lot of fun to write. Um, and uh, that was an exercise in, in trying to take tropes and turn them on their head and, and really have a, a third act reveal that, that blew up my own expectations for it. Because I started getting to the end and I was like, this is kind of predictable. And I ended up having to, to change it. And I, I'm really satisfied with the ending that I came up for it. So nice. so those are those are the books I have out now. Two of them are on Audible. The rest of them are all you know Kindle or you can get them in print. And then uh, Sleepless Hollow, I'll be launching a an Indiegogo campaign for that later this summer to kind of crowdfund the, the last little bit of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, other than that, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at dreadpennies. And that's where I, I tweet out funny jokes, like movie mashup ideas. Like what if they did the fast and the furious, but with dragons and you just had Vin Diesel like tricking out his dragon all the time. <laughs> Vin Diesel, I could actually see doing that because he but actually likes that stuff. Put him in a fantasy movie. Mm-hmm. And... <laughs> well, he's in, what was the witch hunter? Oh yeah. Yeah. And that was actually a fun movie. I'll have to check that one out. Yeah. It was good because he apparently like he played D and D all growing up and I think I've a heard huge that. fan of fantasy type things. And that was a fun movie. Yeah, like coming up with ideas like that. It I... didn't do well domestically. It was supposed to get a sequel and it did well internationally, but not well enough to yeah. But that... I, I actually enjoyed it quite a bit. Because uh, Michael Caine is in it and Michael Caine. Yeah, he's Sir Michael Caine. That's how uh, Pacific Rim got a sequel, is it it kind of did really well, like better than they expected in China. And they're like, all right. I love that. And they blew it. That's, the second one. You yeah, shut the second your one. dirty mouth. The first no, half of the movie. Was excellent. No, it was not. The first I, half of the movie could have been cut and they could have started. They invalidated their premise by making a tiny robot in a movie about scale. How does it feel for you to both be wrong at the same time about the same thing? <laughs> we'll do, we'll the do an episode. Off, we'll, uh, we've been talking about doing episodes of those for so long and we still all right, haven't done it. We'll, we'll rewatch and I'll, uh, we'll, I'll come back for the Pacific Rim episode if you, if you want. We'll. We'll get out the sparring gear and the boxing gloves. <laughs> it's more fun when there's disagreements, honestly. It is more fun, yeah. Okay, all right. So, Andrea, where can you find where can Andrea, find where can you? people find you? <laughs> On... Who are you? <laughs> okay, so you can send me an email at andrea at com. You can join my Book Bub Promotions and More group. And also, I'm putting together a course... Hopefully, by the time this airs on Thursday, I'll already have it done and to my brother Josh for editing. But it's going to be a course on newsletter providers now that MailChimp is being a jerk. Um, let's see. And I'm on Instagram. Everyone's just like torching their platform. Like Patreon. Let's burn it down. Burn Patreon down? I mean, they're burning themselves down. They're they're immolating. Oh, I see. They're, they're torching there. Yeah. Well, MailChimp is, they're making, they're pivoting and I'm fine with them pivoting. They realize that they want to do this instead of this, which is fine. It's just screws me in the process. (laughs) Not me, but the people I teach, you know, I have a lot of clients that are in the free about to start paying. I'm like, nope, don't, you can't do MailChimp anymore. Anyway. Suck it, MailChimp. All right. Okay. I I guess that's everything. We'll talk to you all later. Bye. Bye. Sweet. You're supposed to say bye. Oh, you blew it. The whole episode. Bye. Sorry. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs)